Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. Today is a landmark here in the podcast. Going to have the audio podcast just like we always do. It's on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio. But for the first time, we're also doing it on Facebook Live. And so if you're hearing this in your car and you want to go ahead and watch it live next time, every Monday, 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 Central, we're going to be right here breaking down all the NFL news. And so jumping off from there... Josh, a crazy conference championship weekend, especially the first game. Mm -hmm. What did you take away from what we saw in New England? I'm Blake Bortles is not as bad as I thought he was. That's that's the I wrote a Blake Bortles apology on Sunday afternoon, an apology to Blake Bortles apologists. Uh, just because that's been the narrative. Like all all these people in Duval, they've just been saying, "Oh, you know, Blake Bortles isn't the problem. He's not an anchor. All this and that." And you know, truthfully, he did what he needed to do. He didn't turn the ball over, yep. and he stood. He stayed out of his own way, and that's really all he needed to do. It wasn't good enough because the Patriots are ultimately the better team. But that's not a surprise. But he wrote a good defense. That's true. They got a battering ram running back in Leonard Fournette. But Blake Bortles, you know, credit due. He made his throws when he needed to make his throws. Stephon Gilmore doesn't make a really great, you know, defensive play. All of a sudden, we're looking at a different a different Super Bowl, I think. So I, I'm still not on the Blake Bortles train, but to Blake Bortles' apologists, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I, think, I think you're right, though. Look, like Bortles made that decision this mm-hmm. year tough because they have a $19 million option. Now they yeah. picked it up, but they can cut him. They, they don't owe anything. Yeah. So really, it's still an option. Oh, yeah. Um, but they made it a tougher decision. You know, when they beat Buffalo on the wild card round, we both said, well, geez, yeah, all right, they won, but he didn't even throw for 100 yards. And yeah. then against Pittsburgh, he comes out and he plays, okay, 14-26 for yeah. 214 yards. But against New England, no turnovers. Mm-hmm. Made some really nice throws. And on top of that, really, look, had them in position to win. If that oh, defense yeah. would have been able to hold up a little bit, they move on. As it is, of course, the story now going forward is New England <laughs> yeah. again. Okay, and for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, an opportunity to win a sixth title, mm-hmm. eighth Super Bowl appearance, which is just obscene. Oh yeah, uh, I just I don't know how they do it as often as they do. You know, no. like it, it's one thing to have a comeback here and there that's memorable, but it seems like they do this all the time. Mm-hmm. And now you just you, you go forward and say, how are they to be beat if Jacksonville's defense couldn't stop them? Mm-hmm. You know, with Gronk out for the whole second half. Yeah. Well. What do you do? It's yeah. I mean, we can we can break down the numbers a little bit more when we we talk about the game itself. But I think right now all you have to do is appreciate Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for what they are, and it's the greatest head coaching quarterback duo in football history. You know, you had all these other head coaching duos, and we had Walsh in Montana. You had all these guys. You know, throughout the years, Lombardi never had a quarterback really. You could say maybe Bart Starr, but you know. 
Brady and Belichick, it's special. Terry Bradshaw said something on the, the Fox broadcast, the pregame show, which is really true. And it's just, you know, people really want to hate on the Patriots because it's easy to do. The fans, you know, they're, they're not afraid to rub it in. And then we all know about that. But just appreciate this for what it is. A lot of people, I, I thought about that Heat team, the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, right. Chris Bosh Heat right. team, when they're really good. And everybody was so upset at LeBron. That was the narrative. He's the villain, and everybody wanted him to fail. And we failed to realize that that's one of the greatest basketball teams put together in the last 25 yeah. years, if not all time. Same thing with the Warriors now. And I think that that holds true for the Patriots. Belichick and Brady, it's phenomenal what they're doing. It's historic what they're doing. And as much as we want to hate them, as much as we all want to see them lose, people outside of New England, right. uh, appreciate it for what it is. And it's amazing. Well, you know, when we talk about great dynasties in the history of the sport, right? Like, you know, if you start with the 60s Packers, mm-hmm. that team went to six title games in eight years. Yeah. Now, that was a different era. There weren't nearly as many teams in the NFL because that was even most, you know, actually all of it was pre-merger. Yeah. Um, you know, the Steelers in the 70s, they won four Super Bowls, went to six, uh, won in four and six years, but only yeah. went to four Super Bowls. And it's weird to say only four Super Bowls, but in comparison to Brady and Belichick, they doubled that. Yeah. And they've done it in a harder era because there's 32 teams yep. and there's the salary cap and there's free agency and everything yeah. else. Like those teams, the 80s, 49ers, they didn't have that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so for New England to be able to do this, I think it's the greatest feat we've ever seen in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It is unparalleled and you know we're watching that game in the fan sided office on Sunday and at 20 to 10 when Miles Jack stripped Deion Lewis of the ball made mm-hmm. a great play great play it uh, we were like it's over mm-hmm. Jacksonville is gonna win and somehow forgot you know number 12 is a quarterback for New England mm-hmm. and you could just see it coming once they got going that first touchdown they're within a field goal mm-hmm. and then Amendola returns that punt to the 30 yeah. and from there you just knew they're going to get in it's mm-hmm. somehow some way and like you said unless Gilmore though makes that play at the end of the game they might have still lost what an yeah. incredible story that would have been Bortles comes back in Brady's house mm-hmm. but it wasn't to be and so now New England moves forward and they're going to face Philadelphia who looked pretty good on Sunday oh yeah and you, what the heck happened to the Vikings <laughs> like holy cow this is that was the most Minnesota sports thing to ever happen you know the Stefan Diggs play happens last weekend nobody expects it because nothing ever good happens to Minnesota sports fans everybody's all up in arms about it it's the greatest moment this Minneapolis miracle that he made that catch so they can go out and give up 38 points to Nick Foles, and that's not knocking Nick Foles. That's, you know, the Vikings, they laid down in that game, and that's unfortunate. The fact that you had all of this momentum going into that game, all of this hype. Vikings fans are like, finally, this is the year, and it's just more heartbreak. I asked some Vikings fans of mine after the game, I said, did this ruin the Minneapolis miracle for you, or, you know, soil it in any kind of way? And the consensus was, no, we still have that. But somebody pointed out, they're like, it's just like Charlie Brown getting the football pulled away from him all the time. That's what it's like being a Vikings fan. You get the Stephon Diggs play, this is the team of destiny. Nope. I mean, really, look, like, I, you know, Philly was an underdog by mm-hmm. a field goal going into the game. And I felt like I actually picked the Eagles to cover, but I thought the Vikings would win a really close game. Yeah. Um, but did a bunch of radio spots this week and basically said, look, I think whoever can win up front is going to win in terms of if Philly's front seven can get pressure on Keenum, mm-hmm. going to win the game. Well, they didn't even have to blitz. No. They hit him over and over and over, forced three turnovers, two picks, one of them a pick six. It really changed the game. Oh, Because totally. Minnesota's up 7 nothing and driving, and you're thinking, hey, the Vikings are in total control. Mm-hmm. Patrick Robinson picks him off, goes the other direction, and all of a sudden it's a tie game. Then Keenum gets strip-sacked right yep. outside the red zone, and, and everything, everything goes haywire for Minnesota. I was surprised. 
Not even that they lost. I thought it was kind of a coin flip of a game. Mm-hmm. But I was shocked at how their defense played. Yeah. That defense, along with Jacksonville, was the best defense all year. They're good mm-hmm. at all three levels. And they got hammered. That wasn't a fluke. That wasn't mm-hmm. – I mean, Philadelphia lined up and just ran them over. They did whatever they wanted. Falls, three touchdown oh, yeah. passes, well over 300 yards. And, you know, I don't know if Philadelphia can replicate that in two weeks. That might have been the perfect game. You can't play any better. But if you're the Vikings, geez, you get that miracle catch by Diggs. Mm. Maybe you should have just dropped it. Yeah. Just saved everybody, <laughs> saved everybody the heartbreak. The heartbreak. Oh, my God. I mean, oh, what, what a pounding they took. And now, yeah. and we'll get into it in a little bit, but they've got a lot of questions going forward. They do. And one thing that Vikings fans should think about right now is it's easy to hate on Case Keenum because everybody was waiting for the other shoe to drop all year long. And it unfortunately did drop in the biggest game of his career. He, you know, the turnovers happened. They were his fault. But the Vikings got just absolutely whacked on third down. And they were the best third down. They were historically good on third down. And they they surrendered. uh, The Eagles were allowed to convert, I think, 71% of their third downs. They were like 10 for 14 or something like that. That's the number one rated third down defense. That's why they lost. That right there. I mean, that in combination with Keenum and not being able to get the offense going and having to play from behind for basically the entire game, because they're not built to play from behind. No, neither team was. We both said before the game, just talking Mm. amongst ourselves, look, if one of these teams gets up, by a substantial score early, yeah. the other one's in deep trouble. Well, you know what? And I'm going to defend Keenum a little bit too. Keenum had 3,500 yards this year, 23 oh, touchdowns. Yeah. He, he protected the ball. And look, he wasn't great against the Saints. And you look at his stats and say, we threw for over 300. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, 61 of it was on that miracle at the end of the game. Yeah. He threw a pick. But against Philadelphia, you know, look, if, you, if you're if you honest with yourself and you go back and you look at those plays that he turned the ball over, first of all, the second interception I throw out because they're down by 30 points. He's mm-hmm. trying to make a play. Yeah. Okay. But the first interception, he got hit by Chris Long as he threw the ball. They didn't protect. Mm-hmm. They didn't block. And the ball went out like a fluttering no. duck and, and so on and so forth. And then with the, with the fumble, they didn't block anybody. They, they had the wrong protection. Now, whether or not that was on Keenum, to, they didn't yeah. get into the right protection. It's tough to say. But they, they tried to have the tight end come across. It didn't work. He gets strip sacked, loses the ball. Like that game to me – when you're at that level and it's 38-7, to 7, that's a total breakdown yeah. all the way across the board. Keenum certainly deserves some blame, but mm-hmm. to me, the Vikings as a whole, you just have to wear that as a team. You're mm-hmm. a defensive first team. You have 38 points. Keenum could have played. It wouldn't have mattered how great he played. And, and now, like I said, we'll talk a little more later, but now they're going to have to make some – some very interesting decisions on what they're going to do at that spot. They are. But, you know, one team that's not going to have to make any decisions, at the moment at least, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Because they're going to Minneapolis. They're going to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And the question now is, can the Eagles play the Patriots? Are they going to be able to have a good game against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick? Basically, they're staring down history here. This is not the same thing. Because these two teams met in 2004, five, whatever that was, Super Bowl 39. Yeah. Yep. In, oh, four or five yeah, so you know, the Patriots won that game. That was a Donovan McNabb and Reed team. Yeah. Different, different scenario here. And you said it during the game uh, yesterday. It's amazing that this Patriots team is probably much better than the Patriots team that the Eagles saw the last time they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, well, the funny thing is, you know, you look at those games and they're not connected in any way other than the two franchises that are involved. Mm-hmm. You know, but who are the who are the two people that are yep. still Brady and Belichick? <laughs> right, like the Eagles. There's nobody that's the same except for the owner. But Mm-mm. like. The, not with New England. No. Coach, quarterback. That game was a lifetime ago. I mean, I was 16 years old when that game was played. Yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm you know, approaching 30. And, so, and, and, and Brady statistically is better in every single category. Now, the defense back then was much better for New England. Yeah. The defense back then was great. But 
uh, the offense was was kind of more of a plotting, you mm-hmm. know, move the chains type of team. And, and so, uh, yeah, Brady is better now than he was then, mm-hmm. which is incredible at 40 years old. But I actually think Philadelphia can give them a lot of problems. Yeah. I think, look, the Jaguars were successful for a large part of that game on Sunday because they were able to get pressure on Brady. Oh, yeah. And they, they were able to cover it now. Philadelphia does not have the corners Jacksonville does. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. I think they're probably no. the best corner tandem in the league. Okay, but Philadelphia has a very good front. They don't mm-hmm. have the amount of sacks. I think Jacksonville 55 in the year. Philly only has 38. But they get a lot of pressure. They get it from all over the place. And mm-hmm. Jim Schwartz is a very aggressive uh, 4-3 coordinator. Jacksonville plays a 4-3 as well. So I think they can give some issues there. Uh, and, and look, offensively, Philadelphia is just like Jacksonville. They're going to run the ball. They're going to oh, pound yeah. the ball. Now, Fournette didn't have a great game in New England. Philly's going to have to run the ball better. But I have more faith in, in Doug Peterson mm-hmm. to figure that out simply because he comes from Andy Reid's school, and Reid has always given them problems. Oh, yeah. Always. I mean, you go back to week one, 42 points for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Philly doesn't have the weapons maybe that the Chiefs do offensively, but still that style of offense has given them problems. Oh, yeah. And it's the same thing that the Eagles were able to do with the Vikings and that's win third down on offense. And that's something that I think that they can do. You know, I'm not saying that the Eagles are going to win for sure, but the, the Patriots are vulnerable. This isn't this isn't a defense that is unstoppable. Like you said, the defense the last time that they played was infinitely better than it is now. And the Eagles, you know, like I said, converted 71% of, the, sure. of their third downs against the Vikings, which was a historically good third down defense. They had only allowed 28% of third downs the entire season. And then they allowed 71 against the Eagles. That's insane. And the, the Patriots against the Jaguars allowed about like 40% of the third down conversions, right. which is around where they were. They're about like 39 for, for a year average. The Eagles, if they're able, like you said, to run the ball, win third down, extend those drives, keep that defense on the field. We saw it early in the game against Blake Bortles. They didn't know what they were doing. How many times do we look at each other and like, those corners don't know what they're doing. What are these guys? They're not, they're out of position. What, I don't know if it was the case like last week with the Steelers, they just assumed they were going to win and didn't prepare, but Belichick, Belichick prepares his guys. I think that that defense, if the Eagles have a chance, Nick Foles, that offense, they believe in themselves. And that's, that's something you can't quantify as far as statistics. Like, they just believe in this. Look at the end of that, that Falcons game. Yeah. They stayed in it. They're alive. They beat the number one defense in football. So don't count out Nick Foles and the Eagles. Well, look, the Eagles were the first team ever to be a number one seed and be an underdog in the divisional round. And they yeah. won. And then they're an underdog in the championship game. And they won. Look, do I think the Pats are the favorite? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deservedly so. Okay, they're five and a half point favorites in a lot of books. And I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. Like, that being said, this isn't the New England team of years past where you just looked at New England and said, well, there's just so much better than everybody else. Look, yeah. Offensively, yeah, they're terrific. But defensively, they can be had. If I'm Belichick or I'm Matt Patricia, my biggest concern is that you're going to have to do something to manufacture pressure in this game because you don't have any pass rushers. Now, no. you know, James Harrison, to his credit, might be the best pass rusher on that team, and he's 100 years old. Although I saw a video today of him bench pressing like 400 pounds yeah, on a incline bench, which is he's psychotic, horrifying. But yeah. In any event, look, they do not have great pass rushers. Now, mm-hmm. Jason Peters being out of that game, obviously, you know, he's been out since midseason, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. James Harrison comes off that side. I expect to see him making some plays. But oh, yeah. if Philly can neutralize him, there's nobody else on that team. Nobody on that team. 
Snack for good with Ohio-made, all-natural, super-tender Charkey Jerky Company Beef Jerky, now featuring Killian's Vintage with limited-edition packaging designed by 12-year-old Killian, avid golfer and patient champion, Nationwide Children's Hospital. Now available at select Giant Eagle locations at the Memorial Tournament presented by Workday May 30th through June 4th and online at www.charkeyjerky.com. Proceeds of Killian's Vintage benefit Nationwide Children's Hospital and kids like Killian. team had seven sacks this year, so... If Foles has time to throw the ball in this game, it could be very interesting. And on the flip side, assuming Gronk is healthy, which, by the way, is a very big like, – if he's big not healthy, then the whole game changes. Mm-hmm. But if he's healthy, Malcolm Jenkins, one of the better safeties in the league, mm-hmm. Rodney McLeod, like, they are going to have to lock him down to some degree. Maybe have a linebacker running underneath him, kind of oh, bracket yeah. him. But whatever you do, uh, that's going to be Schwartz's biggest task, is figuring out how do we take him away – and then, consequently, force New England to throw the ball to the outside instead of being able to throw those seam routes he loves so much. Yeah, and you know, just to wrap up the note about the Patriots' defense, it was around 39% that they allowed third-down conversions throughout the season. On the road, which this game's in Minneapolis, it's not at Foxborough, 44%. So they're a very poor third-down team on the road defensively. That's probably going to be something to look at. And, you know, the Vikings, what the Vikings do really well, and Mike Zimmer is known for, are those blitz packages that he has. And we saw Nick Foles picking up a lot of those blitzes. There was that one, the, the touchdown to Elshon Jeffrey, the one that he was, he was just wide. In the pocket, I, we thought he got sacked two or three different times, and they were, they were slapping him, and they were trying to get him down, and he was just dodging and moving around. I don't know what he was tapped into. What kind like of Carson Wentz. Right, I don't, yeah, he was drinking the TB12 water before <laughs> he went out there or something like that, but he was insane. So, and yeah, you know, it sounds silly to be like, oh, they just believe in themselves. But, that's, you know, you're in the biggest game. You're Confidence there. matters. The third time. Does. Yeah, the third time that they're underdogs this playoffs. It's the biggest game. Nick Foles, just we'll wrap it up and move on here. But Nick Foles, that redemption tour, how much do you like that? One more stop. They should have Jeff Fisher on the side, like an honorary captain. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, that's the kiss of death. Bring him out there. <laughs> let, let Foles stare him down in the eyes. Oh, my God. All right, Vernon Let's go uh, touch on a couple of other things around the NFL, not Super Bowl related. Sure. Figure out what the story is. Narratives moving forward as we're getting closer to the offseason. 30 teams are in the offseason except the two in the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, one of them just hired a new head coach uh, over the weekend, the Tennessee Titans. They hired Mike Vrabel be the head coach he's uh comes from the belichick system played for him was in houston i think he was the linebackers coach then he was the defensive coordinator now the titans they stay within the division find their head coach defensive head coach for marcus Mariota. what's the story with that is that the good is that the right hire or should they have gone in a different direction i I, let's put it this way i'm surprised they didn't go with an offensive minded coach but i think vrabel's going to be a good head coach so I, i think ultimately i like the hire because if you get a good head coach you get a good head coach that being said I think he's got to build a quality offensive staff around him. Oh, yeah. Okay, he was a great linebacker for many years with New England, won three Super Bowls, was an all-pro in his time. And you're right, he was, he was a linebacker's coach under, uh, under Romeo Cornell for three years with Houston and then uh, ascended to the D coordinator spot last mm-hmm. year. And that team was playing well up until they, they were besieged by injuries. Yeah. Rabel is only 42 years old. So if you get this hire right, you might have the guy for 15, 20 yeah. years. Okay, but they need to get this hire right and right now because Mariota last year, or this year, if you want to term it, regressed. 13 touchdowns, 15 picks. And let's face it, that's why Malarkey was fired. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they fired him because that offense needs to change. Well, they, they need to do two things. They need to build a good offensive staff around mm-hmm. Vrabel. And secondly, they need to get some different personnel in there because right now, you know, Corey Davis was a first-round pick, but 
there are no receivers on that team no. that you talk about as being a big time weapon. And maybe mm-hmm. he'll develop into it. We'll see, but you know, time time will tell. The running back situation that should be okay, mm-hmm. you know. But there's not a lot of there's not a lot of big play potential on that team. No. And so if you're going to build Mariota into what you, you envisioned, I'm sure when they took him second overall, they're going to have to find a way to unlock that potential. And I don't know that a defensive-minded head coach is going to do it without a lot of support on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's I, – I want to preface this by saying when we first started talking about head coaches four or five weeks ago, Mike Vrabel was a name that I brought up as maybe being a good hire for the Browns or somebody who might find a hard time getting a head coach. Um, and, you know, to be fair to Browns fans, I take Mike Vrabel over Hugh Jackson. So – there's, I would I would take a mannequin of Mike Vrabel over Hugh Jackson. There you go. Uh, but this I, to me, this is not the right hire. They should have went out and hired Matt Lafleur, the offensive coordinator for the Rams. That specifically because of what you said, they need an offensive-minded head coach. They need somebody who's going to help Marcus Mariota become the quarterback he needs to be, and they expect him to be taking him number two overall. Uh, Lafleur, he's got the track history. He was uh, the offensive the quarterbacks coach uh, with the Redskins for RG3's only good year. That's a lot. That's an endorsement. Uh, last year, he was with Matt Ryan, quarterbacks coach in Atlanta, helped him get to the MVP. This year, he turns Jared Goff from a broomstick with a wig on into a potential MVP candidate. He's not probably going to get consideration there, but he was markedly improved than he yeah. was last year. Um, that, that's the right hire. That's the guy you want to go for. Everybody's trying to find the next Sean McVay. Maybe that simmered down a little bit after they lost in the wild card, but everybody wants that guy. You know, Vrabel's a young-ish guy. Like you said, if they get the hire right, they're going to have him for a while. LaFleur is even younger. Yeah. He's the, if you're looking for the next Sean McVay, just go to his staff. And he's got, he's got the right thing. Um, at this point, now you're just going to have to find round out the offensive staff. There's the rumors about finding the uh, Ohio State offensive coordinator to come in, which I don't hate. I don't love it. I don't hate it. But Mariota was really good in the college systems, so maybe you want to go back to that. But to me, also, there's no minority coaches you wanted to go after here. What is Steve Wilkes doing? Okay, what you know, Harold Goodwin. You want an offensive-minded head coach? You know, yeah. maybe go in that direction. If you want to go with a defensive-minded first-time head coach, why not George Edwards in, in Minnesota? He comes from the Mike Zimmer tree. And if you want a guy who's going to keep continuity, George Edwards comes from that. That Vikings defense, something that people really kind of skirted over, was Philadelphia added a lot of pieces in the offseason. You had the Rams added pieces. The Falcons added right. pieces. The Patriots added pieces. The Eagles in the, in the championship game. The Vikings, that defense, that core, it's been together for like the last four years, yep. three, four years. Zimmer's been, been seasoning those guys. Edwards has been a part of that. So if you want somebody to come in and have continuity, to give the team personality, to give the team what it needs, Edwards is that guy. But, you know, Vrabel, not a, not a terrible hire. I'll say this. I think, I think one guy who would be a really good fit for them uh, is, is Todd Haley. Now, he, you know, because Haley was Vrabel's coach in Kansas City for yeah. a couple of years, you know, when Vrabel retired. And I think... Haley would bring a totally different look to Tennessee. I mean, yeah. you know, you want to talk about going from a very plodding, slow ball control offense to an offense that's going to be aggressive, mm-hmm. it's going to take some shots. Now, you can see he doesn't fit the personnel there, but that's kind of the point. Like, they need to flip that personnel around. Mm-hmm. They play like a team from the 90s, which is, which is okay, but if you drafted your quarterback second overall, mm-hmm. he needs to throw for more than 13 touchdowns and you know barely over 3,000 yards. Yeah. Like We need to sling the ball around a little bit more. Otherwise, that pick was, was foolhardy to some degree. So I think Haley would be interesting. You mentioned Steve Wilkes. 
uh, right before we recorded this, actually just got the job with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and so, see, he was available. You know, he, he, I, and I like him. I think he'll be a yeah. good hire for the Cardinals. I think that's a, that's a job well done there by the Bidwell family. Um, that said, look, I, I'm on board with Rabel. I think he's a good hire. And mm-hmm. I think, geez, if you're, if you're Houston, right, like you lose him in the division, right? So like he goes into the division, that division's getting tougher by the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they could have hired him as their own head coach if they moved on from, from Bill O'Brien, but they didn't. Rabel goes there. And so I'm very curious to see that division – is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Houston doesn't have a first or second round pick this offseason. They've got some money to mm-hmm. spend. But in any event, look, Tennessee, uh, I think they did a gutsy thing by getting rid of Malarkey after going to the yeah. divisional round. You don't see teams do it a lot. I think it was the right move. Oh, yeah. And now we'll see if this was another right move, if Rabel's the right guy, or if you look back and say, should have gone another direction. AFC South now has, assuming that Josh McDaniels takes the job in Indianapolis, which right. it sounds like he's going to do, you've got Belichick guy coaching the Colts, you've got Belichick guy coaching the Texans, yeah. Belichick guy coaching the Titans, and Doug Marone, who Belichick gave a you know, vote of confidence for when he got hired. So say what you will about the uh, Belichick coaching tree not working out, but the AFC South, if there's ever a division to go all in yeah. on a bad idea, <laughs> it's the AFC South. Um, you mentioned Steve Wilkes. I thought that he was going to land maybe in New York with the Giants because, you know, Get- Gettleman, Gettleman goes there and there is, you know, you're reading some things and there's some reports that maybe some of those Panthers guys who are yeah. free agents would want to go play for him in New York on yeah. defense. That would have been interesting. Instead, it looks like they're going to go with Pat Shermer, uh, offensive coordinator for the Vikings, coached his last game in the NFC Championship game. What's the story with Giants fans and how they should feel about Pat Shermer after cool. they laid a dud against not only not only in the NFC Championship game but laid a dud against a divisional opponent in the Eagles? I mean, let's be I'm from New York, and I know a lot of friends of mine back home had some choice words about that hiring <laughs> when it was thirty-eight to seven. I, look, Shermer's a guy who you know he is technically a reach ready. He had two years in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and he won, you know he only won ten games over those two years. But mind you, you've got to adjust for Cleveland. Yeah. Okay, so the adjusted 10, wins. 10 games in <laughs> Cleveland is the equivalent of having two 14 in two years with a normal team. Yeah. Uh, you know, now he, I believe he's 51 years old, so he's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But he did a really nice job. Look, I know this game didn't pan out the way he or anybody in Minnesota no. wanted or expected. But that being said, Sherman did a really nice job with the Vikings throughout this year. You know, he, he inherited a situation where they go in, they're ready with Sam Bradford, they, they have the offense revolving around Dalvin Cook. Both guys go down. Mm-hmm. And so he had to readjust on the fly. Gets a career year out of Keenum. Adam Thielen becomes one of the better receivers in the league. Stephon Diggs yep. certainly continues to ascend in his career. I thought Sherman did a great job. Oh, am, yeah. I, am I over the moon about the hire? I'm, I'm never a big retread guy mm-hmm. unless somebody's coming in with such a great track record that mm-hmm. you say, okay, well, you know, it makes sense. Um, but I do think Shermer's earned another opportunity and I'm very interested to see with the Giants what they're going to do. Gettleman's given a, a, a couple statements saying, hey, look, Eli Manning's going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. He's got two years left in his deal. He's 37 years old. I wonder with Shermer coming over, if he tries to bring a Bridgewater with him, mm-hmm. a Bradford or a Keenum, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because the Giants are number two pick overall as well. So they, yeah. they have a ton of options to find their next quarterback. Yeah, and it kind of leads into the next thing we wanted to talk about, which was – the Vikings quarterback situation. Yep. 
So this offseason, they have no quarterbacks under contract. Bridgewater's a free agent. Bradford's a free agent. Don't see that often. Keenum's a, no. Well, in Minnesota, it makes sense because that's a franchise that has had Band-Aid quarterbacks for as long as I can yeah. remember, whether it's Brad Johnson or – the franchise guy they had? Dante Culpepper is the closest right, thing. Guess, right? And before and, that, my God, you're getting into like Tommy Kramer. Yeah, but they, had, they brought in Warren Moon at the end of his career. Yeah. They brought in Randall Cunningham at the end of his career. And to their Far. credit, Favre. And to their, yeah, to their credit, Cunningham, probably the best year of his career with the 98 Vikings, the high-flying Vikings, Favre. Came back with that unexpected season, which rivals some of his best seasons with with yeah. the Packers, and now Keenum. It, this is why it felt so normal for Vikings fans, is because it's just like here's a guy not supposed to do anything. All of a sudden, he's a quarterback, but of right. course, he's not the quarterback of the future, which is the problem. So, in my opinion, with Shermer going to New York, and whether or not he takes Keenum, that's beside the point to me. The, the the thing is, there's a vacancy at offensive coordinator, and they've talked about Ben McAdoo coming in. They've talked about Mike McCoy coming in. And the point is, you're bringing in a new coordinator. You should bring in a new quarterback. And you have Teddy Bridgewater, who you're essentially rebooting and restarting with because he missed all the couple of years with that knee injury. You don't know what he's going to look like, so it's a risky proposition. But it's not like they're you know, changing the system and the system is you know, the quarterback fit into there. It's just it, everything's new. So I, I think it's Bridgewater time, but that's that's just me. I was I was all for Keenum staying there. And he's twenty nine years old, but he was playing so well. Yeah. And now it's Shermer gone and Keenum looking shaky in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Look, here's what here's what I'll say. I think Bradford is gone for sure. Yeah. I, I can't oh, yeah. imagine any scenario where Bradford comes back because even though you'd say, Well, maybe as a backup, he's no. some team is gonna offer him a lot of money to go be a starter. He's been hurt his whole career, but he's shown flashes of, of, of what he could be, uh, what he was certainly when he was the number one overall pick out of Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. some team that needs a quarterback is going to go out and, and pay Sam Bradford. Yeah. So then you get to Keenum and Bridgewater. Look, the question, of course, of Bridgewater, as you alluded to, is he hasn't played in two years. Mm-hmm. Guy had a, a horrific leg injury, knee injury, and, and so – do you, what would he cost? Yeah. Like, would some team be willing to say, hey, look, you know what? We believe in you enough. We're going to give you four years and 60 million bucks. Or mm-hmm. would it be, hey, it's going to kind of have to be, you know, a two-year deal, mm-hmm. you know, 25 million. I'm probably with you. The more I look at it, the more I think about it, I think Bridgewater's 25 years old. He was a first-round pick. Yeah. Like, I'd probably roll with him and allow Keenum to move on. Yeah. But I got to tell you, you know, the Vikings, it's a very dangerous spot because if, if you keep Keenum and he's no longer, you know, what he looks like in the regular season, mm-hmm. well, then you're going to say, geez, how do we let Bridgewater go? Well, yeah. if you keep Bridgewater and he, and he just can't recover from that injury or he's injury prone after that, you're, you're stuck. So maybe the Vikings even go completely outside the box and go for somebody who's not already on that roster. You know, like I mean, a Kirk we, Cousins or somebody. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they've got the money. Like, maybe they go after him. Maybe they go after an Alex Smith in a trade. Maybe, you know, I, I think they probably want to go Bridgewater, but yeah. they, they have a lot of options and they've got to be an intriguing team. I know look, nobody's looking forward to Minneapolis weather. It's indoors, though. But, but yeah, right. But yeah, you're going to live there. But regardless, <laughs> like, but, but on, on the positive side of that, you, if you're a quarterback, you have a great defense. Yeah. You know, you've got Dalvin Cook coming back, two good wide receivers. Like, mm-hmm. you've got a good head coach. You could you could go to a lot worse. Like, if, where would you – if you're – let's say it's Cousins. Would you rather go there or Denver? Oh, Minnesota there for the sure. Jets? Like, I mean, now Jacksonville – That's the one, yeah. That's, that's the interesting one. But Minnesota, 
if I'm a quarterback and they're willing to pay me top mm-hmm. top money, it's a good spot. And like you said, it is indoors, so you should be able to throw the ball over the park. Yeah, and you know you also have maybe Laquan Treadwell is going to finally come up and be that third receiver. So nice. then you have a trio of receivers plus Dalvin Cook and Rudolph. Kyle and Rudolph, Rudolph, everybody forgets about Rudolph. Um, yeah, just to tie a bow around the Shermer thing. Uh, I wonder how much of this success, because you always see when teams win the Super Bowl, usually with the Patriots, other teams in free agency will go out and grab like uh, you know, somebody, whoever. Logan Ryan. Yeah, you know, some 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 guy who's basically showing off the ring. You know, every time you win an Academy Award, you have to have Academy Award winner Meryl Streep or something. You know, that's that's right. your thing. And every time you win a Super Bowl, that's you know we saw it with even with that Ravens team. Uh, when they won the Super Bowl, people poached that defense. Yep. I want, and they never usually never ends up well. No, no usually never does. Don LRB went to Miami for a gazillion dollars. Yeah, he, he was a total. I think bust. Paul Kruger didn't he go to like Cleveland yeah, or something like that? Oof. Well, that's he actually extenuating well, circumstances. Nobody, nobody remembers. <laughs> because, yeah, but yeah, your point is well taken. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder how much of that had to do, how much of the success of Bradford, the success of specifically Keenum, had to do with Shermer. And yep. you talk about people are saying, oh, man, I can't believe they didn't go out and get McDaniels. McDaniels did this and blah, blah, blah. That, that's why LaFleur was such a good hire that nobody made because he has the track record of success with RG3, with Matt Ryan, with Jared Goff. Same thing with Pat Shermer. We're talking about Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. That MVP Pro Bowl year for Nick Foles, guess who was his quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator? It was Pat Shermer. Yep. He was involved. His fingerprints are all over Nick Foles. And then it happens again here with Keenum and Bradford and a little bit for Bridgewater until that kind of fell off. But um, look, I just wonder how much people are going to overpay Keenum, overpay Bradford, and they're going to get damaged right. goods. Not to say that they're not good quarterbacks, but it's a different scenario. And I also wonder who's going to be that offensive coordinator coming in if you are a Kirk Cousins or an Alex Smith. Yep. Who's going to be the guy coming in there? Because we saw that North Turner offense. Wasn't that great? No. Shermer comes no. in, changes things. So I, I, I wonder that. I am of the belief that the Vikings should just roll with Bridgewater or – go think way outside the box and draft somebody. I think they draft yeah. somebody late, fifth-round guy maybe this year. You never know. Because yeah. if they're going to lose both of their quarterbacks, they're going to need a backup. Need a backup. Right. So I mean, they, they could. Now, look, they're in the back end of the first round. But if they want to get aggressive, as we saw Kansas City and Houston both do last year in the first round, they could try to trade up, you know, depending mm-hmm. – you know, the, the draft board is going to change so much here with the senior bowl and the combine and everything. But, you know, let's, let's say that a guy – like Lamar Jackson is there. Mm. Let's say Baker Mayfield made some character concerns drop him toward the back half of the first round, maybe a Josh Allen fall. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's Mance route you want to try to go. You know, and even and and maybe you even still sign Bridgewater and just say, yeah. Hey, look, you know, we were almost like the Chargers did years ago with Breeze and Rivers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they ended up trading the guy who won the Super Bowl. That being said, Rivers had a great career. The Hall of Fame so, quarterbacks. So. Yeah. So I mean there's no you know, there's no denying that. Um but look, it's been it's been interesting, and I think flipping to the other side of the, of the coin yesterday in the air team that lost Jacksonville, mm-hmm. they also have the same kind of quarterback question. Although obviously only one quarterback in this case in Bortles, <laughs> but like you look at that roster, that roster set up for years. They, yeah, they the only questions they have in free agency this year: are Allen Robinson, who tore his ACL week one, mm-hmm. he's going to be a free agent, and he's only twenty four years old. So oh, yeah. it's incredible. And then Bortles, who is under contract. If they do nothing, they have him for $19 million next year. Um, they can afford it and all that. But then you wonder, is 
Is that worth it? Mm-hmm. Is it worth it to keep him? Do you, do you extend him? I, what, you know, do you cut him and try to get somebody else in there? There, there are a lot of moving parts to that situation, <clears throat> but the defense set for years. Yeah, the biggest question remains Blake Bortles, and I apologize to the apologists for hating on Blake Bortles. He played better than I thought, but the fact of the matter remains. I think you wrote this. He's the, he's the fly in the ointment. Like that's that's the thing that you're going to have questions about, and. I wonder if this was just a fluky thing or if this was him actually turning a corner and becoming an effective quarterback. With Bortles, I, I still didn't feel confident. I was gaining confidence throughout the playoff run, but that, in the championship game, it had more to do with how awful the Patriots' defense was, not so much that Bortles was this unstoppable force. He did make his throws. Um, we talked about the Westbrook one. He also barely missed Leonard Fournette, who had the coverage yeah. beat with like a minute and 50 seconds left to go, which probably would have just set up Brady going down in a minute and 50 and winning it. Yeah. But, you know, he, he was making his throws. He made his throws against against Pittsburgh. He didn't make the mistakes that we thought he was going to make. We were waiting for the back-breaking error that never came. Right. That being said, it's really – he does no – there's no consistency. This was a short sample size. I'm hopeful that maybe he's not going to sink the Jaguars because that defense we saw, they can take a team to a Super Bowl. Oh, no question. So – and if they actually had a good quarterback, I don't know if that changes things. I don't know if the offense is different. But I, I struggle with trusting Blake Bortles. I'm happy that he gave Jaguars fans a good run. I'm not confident that tethering yourself to him for the next five to six years is what right. is going to be the right move. And fortunately, I think with his performance in the postseason – the, the wheels might be turning for that to happen. So, you know, I, I don't think, if, if I'm Tom Coughlin, the front officer, there is no way I'm giving him an extension. Mm-hmm. If you want to play out this last year, fine. Yeah. Okay? There is no way I'm extending him. Because, look, if he goes out and has a really good year, you can tag him. It's not like he's going anywhere. Yeah. So, I would, I would not extend him uh, off of that. Plus, look, let's be honest. Okay? He didn't turn the ball over. That's what he's known for. He's mm-hmm. always been top of the league in, in, in a bad way in turnovers. But – even though he didn't turn the ball over in the playoffs, he was atrocious against Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, if they played anybody else in the playoffs in that game, they would have lost. Yeah. The only reason they won is because Buffalo was as bad offensively as they were yeah. and because Jackson was a really good defense. Yeah. The Pittsburgh game, I give him some credit, mm-hmm. but he threw for 214 yards and completed 50% of his throws. It wasn't as yeah. though that game to me, and look, this takes nothing away from Jacksonville, but that game was more to me about Pittsburgh than oh, it yeah. was the Jaguars. Like, oh, that yeah. game was more about just being a disaster on on this on the Steelers side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Now New England, I give them more credit. I give I give Bortles pretty close to full marks because he didn't have a great game. He didn't throw for three hundred yards mm-hmm. plus, but he didn't have a turnover. And to be fair, even though that pass was broken up by Gilmore, that was a big time throw that was just thwarted by an incredible play. Yeah. I thought that throw was right on the money. Had oh, yeah. it was put in the right spot. He moved up in the pocket. And he made the right play. Look, I don't have a problem with them rolling with him for one more year because the risk you run is if you cut him, you better be able to get somebody yeah. who's an upgrade. Like if you don't get Cousins, then you're in trouble all of a sudden because mm-hmm. those, those Viking quarterbacks we talked about, it, there's some uncertainty there. And the Chiefs, would they trade Alex Smith to the Jags? I feel like that's kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face, right? Yeah. Like, because if you trade him there, you're basically putting the finishing touches on what might be a Super Bowl team, yeah. and they're in your conference. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think Jacksonville could get him, but they'd have to probably overpay. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, look, I think that he definitely earned at least one more year. I'll give him that. So I'm not. I, I'm like you, and I we, we killed him all year long, and right. 
That's why I apologize to Jaguars fans because he earned one more year at the very least. I think so. he did too. I think they probably they probably stick with him. Which if you're Kirk Cousins, you, you probably don't want to hear that because that no. takes one guy, you know, one one team out of the running and a team that has lavishly spent in free mm-hmm. agency over the years. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting, you know, to move on a little bit. Um, Jacksonville and Minnesota, though. The question becomes with those two teams, like nobody expected, especially Jacksonville, to yeah. get as far as they did, mm-hmm. right? It was a weird year in the NFL, a lot of big injuries, mm-hmm. uh, some of which to quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. You have to wonder, like, are these teams due for that classic regression where, you know, next year everybody's picking them, they're the hot teams, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in some ways like Houston was for a long time with Matt Schaub. Yeah. Uh, you know, this year the Raiders, nobody, everybody's all oh, the Raiders and the Cowboys, Raiders and Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Neither team ends up going to the to the playoffs. Are those two teams due to take a step back, or do they stay where they were this year? I think that the Jaguars are more of a candidate to take a step back than the Vikings are, just because Zimmer. I want to say that Doug Marone is he did a phenomenal job dark horse candidate for coach of the year because he was coaching Blake you know I know you don't take into consideration things that happen in the playoffs but once they beat Buffalo and even in that Buffalo game Doug Marone was coaching around Blake Bortles mistakes and he was coaching Blake Bortles out of those back-breaking interceptions and fumbles that we expected him to have so that was a phenomenal job and Nathaniel Hackett needs to get some credit too yeah so the, the offense very good staff very good staff in Jacksonville so give them their credit that being said the injury to Miles Jack really concerns me. I, if he's going to miss some time next year, that defense is losing a big piece. Yeah. Are you expecting Calais Campbell to have another good year like he did this year? All pro. Uh, you know, you get to the AFC Championship game, and we talked about the Super Bowl last year with the Falcons and that hangover. I wonder what that does mentally to guys like A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey and these guys that, you know, they're, they have, you said it yesterday during, during the game, they have swagger for days on end. But, you know, Egos can be deflated, and I wonder what this loss is going to do. Is it going to motivate them to come back out strong, harder next year and actually repeat, and they're, they're going to have to build on the success. They can't go in that division with Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt coming back in Houston, with Andrew Luck maybe being healthy all year long, with Josh McDaniels as his head coach, and you know whatever's going to go on in Tennessee. The AFC South is, like you said earlier, it's a, it's a division that's getting better year by year. So the Jaguars are going to have to tighten things up. The injury to Miles Jack concerns me. The Blake Bortles question mark is always going to be there. And it's just, it's historic. You know, the teams take yep. take a step back. The Vikings are much better. They're, they're far better coached, I guess, than the Jaguars are. I, to be honest with you, I don't even know if I'd say that. I think Jacksonville, we talked about their staff. I think they're well coached. I think the bigger problem is, is like Minnesota's got a longer track record with this group. We know yeah. the talents are there. there. Look, my, here, here's frankly my thing. Look, as anybody who knows, you know, who listens to this, you know, I also write a stack in the box uh, mm-hmm. column every Monday that goes up on fan sided. And over the summer, I was doing some research and I looked up the last 10 years teams that went from missing the playoffs one year to winning four or more games the following year and making the playoffs. Now, over the last 10 years, there were 31 such teams like that. Mm-hmm. And only 29% of those teams got back the next season to the Oof. postseason. And only four of those 31 teams had a better record than the year prior. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you see that big jump, now Minnesota, there's, Minnesota along with every other team in the NFC, oddly enough, in a very weird year, falls into that category, as yeah. does Jacksonville. Uh, Atlanta's the only team that didn't fall into that because they made the playoffs, obviously, the year prior. Point is, going into this season, 
the four teams that fit that criteria, Dallas, Oakland, Miami, the Giants, all four missed the playoffs. Yep. So, look, I think you're going to see some regression out of some of those teams. I mean, history says that that's what we're expecting. The problem for Jacksonville is they stayed extraordinarily healthy this year. Mm-hmm. Allen Robinson's the only guy that got hurt. Yep. You know, Fournette missed a few games, but nothing significant. What happens if, if Campbell gets hurt or if Ramsey gets mm-hmm. hurt? What is the depth like behind that team? So, like, that to me is the concern. And also, if they keep Bortles, you just have no idea what you're getting. Could he, could he regress? Could he get better? Sure, either thing is possible, but I'd be worried about that. And finally, to me, that division's probably going to be better. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, the Titans, I think, with Vrabel, I believe are going to be a better coach team. Mm-hmm. The Texans with Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, that team, that's almost like adding those three guys to the roster. That team yeah. should be very good. And then, of course, Indianapolis can't be any worse. They're no. getting McDaniels, who should revitalize that offense. And if Andrew Luck's healthy, those are no longer two easy wins. No. So Jacksonville, which is a good team, and I expect them to be a good, tough team next year, plays a first-place schedule. And they only went 10-6 and six last year, like two games worth of regression, and you're, yeah. you're not even sniffing the playoffs. Yeah. So, Minnesota went twelve and four. That's a lot different than going ten and six in a division that's about to get a lot harder. Yeah, and you know, to the credit of the Vikings, they did it, or maybe not the credit to the Vikings, but Aaron Rodgers was hurt for a while. Well, they did do it. Yeah, they, Anthony Barr. <laughs> there you go, man. Anthony Barr smelled Super Bowl. No, it, it, well, you know, not they, really. They, not enough. He didn't no, smell it enough. They, you know, they, they took advantage of a, of, a, yeah. of a bad break for the Packers, and so you know they were able to do it. But you know, to your point, yeah, can they do it again if Rodgers is healthy? Yeah, and I don't know, but the, to me, I think that the Vikings, th- there's that, we said it about Bortles and how this little playoff run that he has has not convinced me at all that he's going to be the quarterback of the future. You could basically say that about the Jaguars' whole season, okay? They've won the offseason in free agency how many years running now, yeah. and it finally all came together. And hopefully this is here to stay. Like you said, there's, those guys are in contract for a while, so maybe that's going to go. But yeah, the depth, the injury concerns, all it takes, like we saw with so many teams, one guy goes down for even a couple of weeks, and you know Derek Carr misses a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, the Raiders fighting for their lives. I don't think that they make the playoffs if he stays healthy, but it changes things. Yeah. It changes the way the teams have well, to approach it. I mean, certainly. Look, you know, I, I fall Kansas City. Have some as a kid. Like when Eric Berry got hurt, he's one player. Yeah. It changed everything about the mm-hmm. way that that team went from always being in the top five in, in points against to being middle of the pack and being 28th in yards. Like, mm-hmm. it's one injury. And the Chiefs have other guys around that that you know that spot that can play. I mean, Marcus Peters and Justin Houston and Chris Jones. Point being, what happens with Jacksonville? And, of course, you can play the what-if with injuries for oh, yeah. every team. Right? Oh, yeah. But when you stay that healthy, it typically regresses to the mean in a sport like the NFL. Right? Yeah. So, I would expect... Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Expect Jacksonville to be a little bit more banged up last year, next year. And on top of that, you're not playing a week schedule that you're mm-hmm. getting New England, you're getting Pittsburgh, you're getting yeah. an improved division, you're getting Kansas City like that. And you're those teams are ready for you. They mm-hmm. are they are jacked up to play you because you now are part of that contending conversation. Mm-hmm. Where before it was like, oh it's Jacksonville. Now it's like, hey, it's Jacksonville. Yeah. We need to be ready for this game. So 
Uh, I love their defense. I think the defense will be terrific as long as they can stay on the field. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things that point to, even if they're better, they may take a step back mm-hmm. because what is around them is harder. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are saying these things about the Eagles before the season started. We were. We, we yep. completely counted the Eagles out. They surprise everybody and make the Super Bowl despite the injury thing that we were just they talking about. A ton about. of injuries. A ton of injuries, including to their MVP quarterback, yet they're in the Super Bowl. So we have a couple of weeks before it all happens in Minneapolis. We know who's going to be there. What can we tell people or what can we tell ourselves to get, our, to get everybody excited for the Super Bowl. You know, I think everybody's going to look at it, and it's always about the quarterbacks, right? So mm-hmm. people are going to say, oh, it's Brady against Foles. Of course, New England's going to roll in this game. It's, you know, it's, it's what we've always seen. And, yeah, if you said to me, you have to pick one team, I would take New England. New England is, mm-hmm. frankly, a dynasty, and Philadelphia hasn't won an NFL championship since 1960. So history says New England got a little bit of an edge. That being said... I think the Eagles are a tough team to play against if yeah. you're the Pats because of what we talked about a little earlier. Philly can get pressure, mm-hmm. and they can do it in a lot of different ways. Now, the one thing that I don't like in this game is Schwartz does tend to blitz. He likes to oh, blitz. Yeah. He's very aggressive. If they blitz Brady, they're dead. Mm-hmm. They cannot blitz in this game more than you know a handful of times. You, you can't say to yourself, we're going to bring six. Mm-mm. You bring six, you're dead. You need to be able to get pressure with four, drop seven, bracket Gronk and force them to throw to the outside force Brady to make low percentage throws outside the numbers deep down the field you may give up one or two to a guy like a Cooks but you live with that if you start to eliminate what is around it so yeah. I think Philadelphia can hang in the game I do think the Eagles are gonna have to win the turnover battle oh I yeah think, I don't think it can be even or worse it has to it, they have to be able to do what they did against Minnesota and take the ball away mm-hmm yeah, and it's something that we saw in New England struggle with, too, against Jacksonville because when they were starting to come back, that Miles Jack fumble that he ripped away from Deion Lewis, that looked like it was going to change things. And that, you know, depend, depending on who you're rooting for and depending on whether you believe everything's rigged and there's a conspiracy, if the ref doesn't blow his whistle, maybe he, maybe he houses that. And maybe yeah, we're, look, right. again, looking at a different Super Bowl. So, so many what-ifs there. But, yeah, I agree with you. The, Fal- or the, uh, the Eagles, what they need to do is what they did against the Falcons and what they did against the Vikings. Yeah. And that is, like I said, bring pressure and count on Nick Foles. That's something that other people haven't been doing. I haven't been doing that in, my, in looking at these games. The Eagles have. Doug Peterson, you, we won't, we're saying all this about Nick Foles' revenge tour. This is redemption. I think this is validation for Doug Peterson. He's a good head coach. He, he's done a nice he, job. He outsmarted. Mike Zimmer, who is, you know, a master chess player when it comes to the NFL schemes. He figured out the blitzes, you know, all of that. So we were talking about how well coached the Jaguars staff is or the Jaguars are because of that staff. The Eagles, Doug Peterson, you've got, you know, Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, the quarterback's coach, who was getting head coaching consideration. And then, of course, Jim Schwartz. Like, they have an excellent staff and they've done a really nice job. And Foles has been in this offense for a while. Yeah, because he was in Kansas City last year, so he's very familiar with everything that they're doing. This isn't new to him. Yeah, he doesn't have to think that much when he's on the field. Look, Foles. By the way, if, if he has a big, if they ever win the Super Bowl and he plays really well, he's a free agent. Yeah, Nick Foles is going <laughs> to cash in something fierce. Okay, like if, if if he goes out and throws for three hundred yards and three touchdowns and they beat New England. Teams are going to be lining up. Buffalo and the Jets, probably oh, one and the two. The bidding war. Yeah, looking you know, <laughs> in AFC East, you know, somebody can slay the dragon, right? Oh, wow. You're going to have significant money getting thrown at Falls. Mm-hmm. You may have it anyway, even if it just plays a competent game in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that all plays out. It's another dynamic to the game. 
Yeah, and I'm fascinated by the way that these narratives switch so quickly because everybody coming into the NFC Championship game was, oh, the Vikings are going to have to franchise tag Case Keenum. Is he worth $24 million a year? Blah, blah, blah. What are they going to do with Bradford and and Bridgewater? He goes out and throws a dud of a game. Foles goes out there, three touchdowns over yeah. 300 yards, and all of a sudden it's flipped. You know, it's like that old meme on on Twitter where it's like you hit the upgrade yeah. button. <laughs> you go from Keenum upgrade up to Foles. All of right. a sudden he's the guy, and that's just if you're looking for some, a rooting interest because the Bucks are out. I've been miserable since the middle of October. You've been miserable since 2002. Miserable since yeah February 2003 after yeah. they won the Super Bowl. It's been downhill from there. I'm I'm fascinated by that that narrative of yeah. Nick Foles. That's your rooting interest. That's your underdog story. The Eagles, they've they, the, the dog masks and everything like that. They're the underdogs. Nick Foles is the ultimate under. He's like the guy who sims through a Madden season and then just jumps right in in the playoffs and starts playing. Where has he been for these last couple of years? He comes back to Philly. Now he's playing in the Super Bowl, realizing the dreams that he had in that 2013 season where he was an MVP candidate. He was going to the Pro Bowl. So you know it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun with Eagles fans descending on Minneapolis. They just beat the Vikings. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Eagles fans had to be subdued before the game. Oh God! Uh, you know, mounted policemen had to come down and, and, and beat up uh, some folks to, to calm them down. And then after the game, Phil- the city of Philadelphia had aligned, greased the poles in the city with Crisco. Didn't work. People still climbed. didn't work. So I, I am very much looking forward to that. Philadelphia fans in another city that isn't used to Philadelphia fans for a week. That ought to be a good time. Uh, look, you know what? Everybody's hating on the Super Bowl to some degree this year because mm-hmm. it's not Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. Here. So, so what? Like sometimes yeah. that makes it fun. Yeah. You know, like sometimes there's an element to that that makes it interesting. You know, it's not what we all expected. Mm-hmm. And there is that underdog uh, narrative to it. And so I'm really excited about it. And one thing you said earlier I just wanted to touch on quickly is you mentioned, and it was, it was booming on our site all day long mm-hmm. after the game, was the Jacksonville New England game rigged? <laughs> If you believe that game was rigged, you got to get a life. Like, if you think that a National Football League game can be rigged and a game that came down to the wire like that, that would take that would take so much work and preparation, everything going right. You got to be nuts. Mm. I know New England gets calls, but you know what? Great teams in every sport a lot of times get calls. That's kind of part of you know the thing. You got to beat them. You got to go against them. Is it right? No. But at the end of the day, I didn't think there was anything egregious no. in that game. You could talk about that play we mentioned earlier with Miles Jack. Yep. Look, in real time, I was impressed that they called it a fumble in real time, let alone – Yeah. But they blew the whistle that he was down. Okay, you know what? Jacksonville has no excuse for losing that game. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they got braided. So sure. That, so – It'll happen. Uh, you know, there's always going to be the, the tinfoil conspiracy hats out there screaming about stuff, but New England deserves to win that game. I am very interested to see now. Two weeks to prepare. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we all know Andy Reid, who has been a great coach off the bye. Well, how is Peterson? Peterson, who, who yeah. grew up at, really at the, at, the, at the knee of Reid, how does that work out? And, of course, Belichick, two weeks to study. Yeah. We all know what that's about. So I think this game's going to be a lot better than other people think. I, I really do. I think this game is going to be uh, one of the better Super Bowls we've, we've had and, and really kind of continue what lately has been. Every time New England's in a Super Bowl, it's a heart stopper. Yeah. They have not played one dud of a Super Bowl Mm-mm. in the seven they've been in with Brady and Belichick. No, even going back to the last one they played against the Eagles, which you know kind of came down to the wire. That was the but biggest dud of all of them. Yeah, that was a good game. That was a good game too. Yeah. So, yeah, Belichick, I'll, I'll end with this and say, this is the most vulnerable Patriots team that I've seen in a very long time. And I don't know if that's because of the age thing. I don't know if that's just because it's not the most complete team, which is 
amazing to say because we're also saying that it's one of the best Patriots teams was just comprehend that and try to put that together in your head as to how great this run has been. I, I'm, I'm not confident that they're going to go in there and win this game outright. That's not no. that's not something that I see. And it's, you know, everybody was thinking, oh, man, I can't believe Case Keenum or Nick Foles is going to go up against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Right. I We're going to get our money's worth with Nick Foles, with that underdog team. One thing, you know, you talk about they're believing in themselves and you can't quantify that. Unpredictability in teams that really aren't supposed to be in positions that they're in, yeah. that's a dangerous variable that you should those, you can't account for. Those teams tend to play looser, yeah. and those teams tend to take more chances because they have nothing to lose. I, I think back to the Saints and Colts years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Peyton's onside kick to start the second half. If you're a favorite, you don't do that. Mm-mm. But nobody thought the Saints were going to win that game, and so they knew, hey, we got to steal a possession. Maybe that's something we see. Maybe we see something like yeah. that or a fake punt. You know, if I'm Philadelphia, I'm thinking about, hey, how do we steal a possession? That's as good as forcing a turnover. Yeah. So, you know, I think we always get caught up in, and, and rightfully so, how great New England is yep. and what a dynastic franchise they are. And I'm, I'm, A, I'm curious to see how Philadelphia prepares for two weeks. And, B, I do think that it's interesting. Uh, look, we don't know. New England's got a lot of free agents next year. Mm-hmm. They could cut some guys like an Edelman, save some money. I'm curious to see. Everybody's been talking about, is this finally the end with New England? And they've been talking about that for years. Brady's 40. He's going to be 41. Yeah. Belichick's the second oldest coach in the NFL. They're losing both coordinators. Look, I'm not going to sit here and bury New England. They could be good for another four or five years with Brady, but... You never know when that run's going to come to a ten. Yeah. And so, you know, if this is the last Super Bowl they get to, and it may not be, but if it is, I want to enjoy that instead of complaining about New England for two weeks because, yeah. it, look, this team should be appreciated in its time for what it is. And it is, in my opinion, the greatest run we've ever seen in the NFL's history. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I'll, I'll end it and hand it over to you with this. Um, if the Eagles win, it will be the longest victory parade ever. Those people oh. are going to parade – from downtown Minneapolis all the way across the country back to Pennsylvania, and you know they're yep. going to. So well, that, that parade route is already already wrapped up. But oh, Listen, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think they'll go right from Philly to Boston, and they'll, they'll circle <laughs> the town like, like it's an Chris go up those uh, – yeah, right. <laughs> Chris go it up. Um, but listen, so this was our first uh, time doing this on Facebook Live. We thank everybody who yeah. watched. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you come back. We do it every single Monday – one o'clock Eastern time, noon central. Um, for those who are just listening, as you always do, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to, please go to iTunes and subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment. Unless you didn't like it, then don't do that. Don't be that guy. Um, but look, we really we appreciate the viewership. And hopefully, if you're a Patriot Eagles fan, hopefully in a couple of weeks you're celebrating a championship. If you're one of the, uh, a fan of one of 30 teams that isn't in this game, well, hey, look, offseason's not that far away. You can start to improve. Draft stuff right around the corner, free agency right around the corner. We'll have all that and much more on Fan Sided. So, for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back at the beginning of Super Bowl week to cover this game from A to Z. Jamie's Log, Progressive, the Harrington's Backyard, Day 27, 3.33 a.m. 3.33, all those threes mean something, or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's Backyard for 27 days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.